Hello, and you're listening to What the Dev. I'm your host today, Christina Cardoza, and joining me, we have your returning guest, Derek Weeks, Vice President of Sonotype and the co- uh, founder of All Day DevOps. Hey, Derek, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Hi, Christina. It's great to be here. So it's been about um, six months since we last spoke at the DevOps Enterprise Summit in Las Vegas. And, you know, around that time, you were doing a presentation on open source projects and their security practices. And you found, you know, the the median time to repair vulnerabilities for open source projects were about 180 days. The average was about 326 days. So, you know, now that a couple months has passed, are you seeing any improvement in open source security or any changes over the last six months we should be aware of? Yeah, so that that uh, it's a good question. So that data came from our state of the software supply chain report that I've been uh, leading uh, the effort around for the last six years. And we're actually in the process of building the the latest report that will be out uh, this summer. Um, so not, I, I'll say on that specific point, not a lot ha, has, uh, has changed, although I just literally got the new data set, uh, I think yesterday or the day before, and haven't had a chance to, to delve into it to see um, how much those specific numbers have changed. But just in the, the industry overall, one, the awareness around that report and the data uh, has been very well received. So it's something that, as you'll remember, Gene Kim, myself, Dr. Stephen McGill, and a host of other security researchers um, had dive, uh, dove into that uh, data to get a sense of what open source projects were, were doing. I think the bigger things that have come out uh, from an industry perspective are um, other things that we had in the report. Uh, government has always played a role. Government and industry have played a role in defining policies around good open source and bad open source um, and what's going into the software that is being produced that's being sold to government, uh, that's being uh, regulated by government, for instance, in the medical device space. And it's very interesting to see some of the wording or guidance that we really direct in the report adopted by these different agencies. So, for example, NIST, the National uh, Institute of Standards and Technology, came out with guidance recently, I think that you wrote about, um, with the um, secure software development practices. And a lot of that focuses on open source and third-party components and providing a software bill of materials around these things to know you are using the best quality components from the best suppliers um, and that they're calling for faster um, times to repair for vulnerable code that is out there, vulnerable third-party code that is used in an application. So I think just visibility overall from NIST, from uh, the Department of Defense, um, from medical device manufacturers and the FDA, Um, There's been a lot of progress there. Um, The other thing that I think we'll get to talk about a little later is um, the speed of adversary breaches. We've talked about that for a couple of years now, especially post-Equifax, but I think we're seeing more and more evidence of um, the adversaries are paying attention to open source related security vulnerabilities and acting quickly upon it. And uh, that adversarial speed is something that we continue to keep a, uh, a sharp eye on. Mm-hmm. Now I know, um, you know, your company, Sonotype, 
just recently released their seventh annual DevSecOps um, community survey. So can you tell me a little bit about how this compares to the, um, you know, the open source research, security research that you also do and what readers can, you know, benefit from both? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, it's interesting. So I've led both projects, uh, you know, for seven years now. Um, but the, the state of the software supply chain report is really focused on two things. One is how has the industry perspective evolved in terms of government regulation um, uh, evolved? How has the use or consumption of open source changed over time, which is dramatically increased uh, year over year? Um, and also providing very much empirical evidence and academic rigor around research of the open source communities. In the, the survey and the way that this differs is it's, it is opinion and experience-based data from individuals across the industry. So we went out and we surveyed 5,000 people and we get their opinions or viewpoints on certain things. So it's not empirical factual necessarily, like when we say, how mature is your DevOps practice? And people say immature, okay, or very mature. Um, that's their opinion of their own practice. It's not you know, empirical evidence in a sense that we had 10 attributes that measured you know, maturity that we were grading these people on and we could evaluate that uh, our, ourselves. So it gives a good mix of kind of, you know, perceptions in the industry of practices uh, in the survey versus empirical evidence in the, the supply chain report. Mm -hmm. Now, I did um, notice that the DevSecOps community survey looked at um, a lot of mature DevOps teams. So, you know, is there any specific characteristics um, that make up a mature DevOps team? What really is reaching maturity in DevOps? Yeah, so um, it's, a, it's a good question. So we actually went through in the survey, the survey was about 40 questions in total. And there are different things that play into DevOps maturity and DevSecOps maturity. Um, so some of that is just one, developers and what what is your mindset around security is it important is it something you pay attention to is it a top concern of things things that you work on uh, we also looked at tooling uh, so what kind of tools do you have in place um, if you're a devsecops shop if you're a mature devops shop versus an immature devops shop and we can see adoption differences um, in those kind of tools one example might be, um, you know, if you look at uh, web application firewalls, whether you're an immature organization or a mature DevSecOps organization, everyone's using a WAF. Uh, it's very commonly used. Static analysis is also very commonly used across mature and immature DevOps organizations. And part of that is those technologies existed before, uh, you know, before DevOps was even a thing or DevSecOps was even a thing. But when you look at the biggest differences between tools, when you look at things like uh, dynamic analysis, uh, container security, open source governance, when you look at the differences between mature adoption and immature adoption, the mature DevOps practices were adopting things like container security and open source governance 
twice as much as the immature ones. And that's able to, to help us see as organizations mature in their DevOps practices, what tooling are they most likely to adopt that changes their practice? So it's not that they're using a ton of that stuff, but when they're moving to new practices or new tools, that, that's part of it. Other things that, that come out uh, in the survey that are really interesting are how much training is available. Do you have secure, you know, training on secure coding practices? Um, is the training instructor-led? Is it self, uh, self-paced learning? Those types of things come out. We also asked uh, questions like, how are you informed of security issues? Where you can see uh, all teams are kind of almost equally weighted on security teams informing them of security issues that come up. But in mature DevOps organizations, tooling is informing people a lot more of security issues that come up. And one thing that's really important about that particular finding to point out is that when we do this DevSecOps community survey, the majority of people in the survey are uh, label themselves as DevOps, developers, IT architects, IT managers, ops managers, and security pros are only about 6% of the overall survey base. So this is really development perspective. So when you have developers saying, I have tools telling me of security issues, that's very different than a security person saying, I have security tools telling me about security issues, which is really a reflection of DevSecOps, more tooling, based more tooling built for developers and DevOps pros to give them security information that's not a quote unquote security tool built for a security pro, right? So there are a lot of different aspects that play into that kind of mature versus immature view on uh, or perspective on uh, DevSecOps. Now, in addition to the Tooling and training, the report also revealed that, you know, just the happier developers or coders are, the more likely they are to build secure applications. So can you tell me a little bit more about this finding and how organizations can ensure, you know, the happiness of their coders? Yeah, it it was actually, this was the first time that we included a kind of job satisfaction part of the, the survey. Are you happy with your job? Would you recommend your employer? Can you get the work done assigned to? All kind of things that play into employee satisfaction. What what we found in the report was there was a high correlation between developers that were in mature DevOps practices and the happiness levels or job satisfaction levels that those uh, those people had. We also saw things like there was one question in the survey where we said, where do you find the most friction in your organization? And happy developers were more likely to say, I don't see any friction in my organization. And where they did, it was with their peers in development. Um, not, not a significant amount, but that I think that was the highest uh, answer in that category for the happy, um, happy developers. The unhappy developers by far said managers and executives were the point of friction within their environment. The, that was part in part leading to their uh, lack of happiness in the, the organization. So that that tells me if you're a manager of a DevOps practice uh, of a DevOps practice, um, you know you need to look at when we're trying to remove friction from our practices and our processes and our culture. 
um, within the business, you, you might want to look in the mirror and see like, am I the friction point as the manager in this organization? And what could I do to remove some of that, uh, that friction? Um, we also saw big differences in happy versus unhappy on training available uh, to people. So the more training they had available to them, the happier the employees generally were. So it, it's interesting that, you know, even in the state of the software supply chain report that we were talking about earlier, part of our premise for the, the research was um, we, we knew from the state of DevOps report from Dora that um, companies that de uh, deployed faster or had a higher velocity uh, program or higher performance DevOps teams had better business outcomes. We found in that our, our report that open source projects that had great practices had better outcomes. Uh, and, and we wanted to understand from our survey, um, did mature DevOps organizations also have more satisfied employees or better, you know, better outcomes for the, the developers that work in those practices? And, and we saw a strong correlation there. So that was pretty cool to see. And, and again, it was the first year that we put this in the survey. Also, you know, the last time we spoke about the DevSecOps community survey itself, you mentioned this ongoing trend year after year that while security is important for developers, they just don't have as much time to spend on it as they would like. Did you guys mm -hmm. find the same thing happening with this survey also? Yeah, so it, it's this is a, one of the interesting stats year over year. So four years in a row, we've asked this question um, is security important? Do you have time to spend on it? And every year we get about 47 or 48 percent of respondents four years in a row that say security is important, but I don't have more time to I don't have enough time to spend on it. But at the same time, we're seeing that mature DevOps shops are investing more in security training. They're investing more in security tools. Uh, as I mentioned before, mature DevOps teams are getting more security information and alerts from their tools. So while they don't have any more time to spend on it, there's more investment being made and they're becoming more secure as a practice. Um, and, and I think that's you know part of bringing tooling in, bringing automation in, bringing training in says, I'm getting better at this, even though I don't have more time to spend on it because I'm being aided by technologies and, and innovations available to me. Great. Is there anything else um, you know you found surprising in this survey, or any changes over this survey from last year's survey? Yeah, you know the the one thing that's really come out in the the news just in the the last week uh, or ten days or so now, um, we ask in the survey and we ask this every year: uh, Have you had or experienced a breach uh, in the last twelve months related to your applications uh, or related to um, development practices that you have or related to open source components? that you're using within uh, vulnerable open source components that you're using uh, to build your applications. So um, this year, the, the good finding was that 21% of survey respondents said, we experienced a breach in the last, um, we experienced an open source related breach in the last 12 months. Uh, that's down from 31% 
2018, which was the, the year the Equifax breach was uh, in everyone's mind and, and on, uh, on a lot of headlines. So, you know, not great news. We're at 21 percent. Good news is we've seen a, a decline from 31 to, to 21 percent over the years. Um, but we, we ask a couple of different questions related in this area. Um, you know, one is, do you have a breach? The second is, do you have open source governance policies in your organization? And we still see about 50 to 60 percent, depending on the profile and maturity of the, the person answering, um, uh, 50 to 60 percent have an open source policy in place. There's still many organizations that don't, or when they have policies in place, they admit to not following them. Or we ask people, do you have a software bill of materials, which is a list or an inventory of all the open source components you've used in a specific application? Well, so so when you see, and, and with that, about 50% of organizations have a complete list of the open source components they've used in, in developing or building their applications. So just a few weeks ago, really, I, I think it was April 29th, uh, kind of between April 29th and May 1st, um, there was a, a Python-based uh, open source framework called SaltStack um, that had a known vulnerability announced in it. Uh, researchers found it back a couple of months ago. They informed SaltStack. We found a, a vulnerability. They went through the normal disclosure processes. And, and as a result, on April 29th, SaltStack came out as an open source project and said, there's a critical vulnerability in our open source component. We have fixed that and released newer, safer versions of that component. And everyone should upgrade as quickly as possible to that or you risk being breached. And in fact, one of the security researchers that found this vulnerability at FSecure said, this is an, this is an instance where it's patched by Friday or get breached by Monday. Um, now, what we saw was April 29th was the announcement date of it's vulnerable, here's the patch. On May 2nd, we saw two companies announce that they, this is three days later, that they had been breached as a result of the vulnerability in SaltStack that they didn't update fast enough uh, and the adversaries got at it. Uh, I also saw in the conversations on GitHub, 13 other organizations on May 2nd that said, we've had a breach, we've lost control of our salt stack, uh, you know, systems online. I'm seeing the same thing. Someone, you know, installed a crypto miner on our salt stack uh, masters uh, or on our salt masters uh, within the environment. And on May 3rd, uh, four days you know, after that, the vulnerability was announced. We saw three more companies announce breaches related to SaltStack there. So even when SaltStack did everything right in terms of you know, finding they had a vulnerability or knowing they had a vulnerability, providing a patch, fixing that, getting it out, making it available to all of their users or community, there's still this, you know, the, the big question comes up when a vulnerability is announced. It, the first question that you need to ask is, did I ever use that vulnerable component? If you don't have a software bill of materials, like 50% of organizations out there, 
you don't have an inventory of what you use. You might not have any record that you've used SaltStack. If you do have that record, your next question is, where is it? Right. So I know I've used SaltStack because I have a software bill of materials. What servers does the or, or applications do these components reside on? Because I'm going to need to update those versions to the safe versions quickly, um, or else I'll be breached. So you know, effectively, we saw 19 breaches within four days of that announcement that were you know publicly disclosed. Hey, we got breached as a result of this vulnerability. So it just says. You know, while our survey says one in five organizations have had an open source related breach in the past 12 months, we saw this playing out in real time just a couple of days ago um, with the SaltStack instance, that if you're not aware of what open source you're using out there and you can't update the vulnerable versions of that quickly, that your adversaries are very, very fast at tracking vulnerabilities finding vulnerable code out on the internet where you've deployed it in applications and exploiting that quickly. So I, I think it's, you know, I've been talking about this for years because if, if you go back into 2018, Equifax had the same thing. A vulnerable version of Struts was announced on March 7th. And on March 10th, three days later, Equifax was breached along with a number of other companies that made news ar around that time as well for the, their breaches. So Adversaries are really quick. If you're not paying attention, you're at risk. Uh, and, and it's definitely something if it's not you know, on your radar and you're listening to us on this podcast, it's probably something that should get on your radar uh, you know, more quickly. And these are the kinds of things we you know, will report on in more detail in the State of the Software Supply Chain Report. That's all the time we're going to have for today. But if our listeners want to learn more about the community dev SecOps survey, you can go to the Sonotype website and um, they have a whole bunch of resources there. And we'll be looking out for the state of the supply chain report coming out. So thank you again so much, Derek, for coming back on the podcast, speaking with us and, uh, you know, just taking the time out. Yeah, Christina, it was a pleasure. It's always uh, always great to catch up with you. Hopefully, we'll be able to catch up in person soon again. Yes, I hope so. Well, thank you to our listeners for joining. Until next time, this has been What the Dev.